0: Welcome to the West 70s Podcast, hosted and created by me, Betty Fox. Before we start Laura and Marty's episode, I wanted to share some background on who they are. Marty and Laura were both born and raised in Manhattan. They were each born in the 1940s. Laura grew up on the Upper West Side, and Marty grew up in Harlem. Other than college, they each have lived in New York for all of their lives. They left Manhattan for Brooklyn in the 70s, but returned to Manhattan when they bought their apartment here in 1993. Marty was an administrator for the New York City Department of Education until his retirement. Laura was a New York State Supreme Court judge in Manhattan until she retired and is now in private practice specializing in family
1: law. is, is unique in some ways. I think it is very much a neighborhood in, you know, in itself because... Um, Everybody, a lot of people, I won't say everybody, but a lot of people kind of know everybody in the building not not, maybe not well, maybe not, maybe don't socialize, but you know who the people are, you kind of know what they're up to, you know, what kind of work they do, you know what, who their kids are, um, you know, what their kids are doing, mm-hmm. you know. So I I think that's not as true in other buildings. Uh, buildings. Yeah. Um, part of that is because it's a co-op. Uh, you know. So even if you're not really active in the in the building, you have, kind of have to know the projects that the building is up to. And mm-hmm. who's taking charge. And, and you know, having Beth as president for life was <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I, I once went outside, and I'm seeing Beth looking up, and I'm saying, what are you looking at? And she was looking at the two trees outside, saying one of them was not doing well. You know, how many people do that? <laughs> So, I mean, I think she's been a pretty important part of, uh, of it, but, but, you know, everyone who's been on the board, most of the people who've been on the board have been on it, stay on it for a long time before they get off, and um, I think that, and, and a lot of people have been on the board, so that kind of creates more of a community feel. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a concern about taking care of the... Other. I don't know if it's a small town, but, but I, I do think people take care of each other. You yeah. know, if there's a problem, people reach out and we'll work together to solve the problem Or they'll look after each other. I mean, I remember once when our son got locked out. I forget what happened. He didn't have his key and um, he rang our next door neighbors and they just, you know, will come in, wait. (laughs) I mean, people take care of each other that Mm -hmm. way. Um, If somebody is sick, people will look out for them. That's happened. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'd call it a small town, but caring. Yeah. I think it's very caring.
0: Um, How long have you lived here and how have you seen the neighborhood change?
1: 28 years. We've been here 28 years. Um, I How has the
2: neighborhood <laughs> changed? Have, have you noticed that there is a very tall building on Amsterdam? Yeah, a 66 <laughs> story one? <laughs> yeah, that, that's blocked. That's blocking. one way in which the neighborhood
1: <laughs> But you see, I see it a different way. When we moved here, okay, I grew up on. When I was born, my parents lived on 77th Street off of Broadway. But I grew up on 86th Street between Columbus and Central Park. You grew up in Harlem, basically. Um, We had been living in Brooklyn when we moved to this apartment. Now, my perspective of this neighborhood was this was Needle Park. Do you know about Needle Park? No. Okay. So, what is that?
2: Verdi Square. Verdi Square? The subway station? Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. So, that had been a hangout for heroin addicts. And it was called Needle Park. And actually, it was a movie. (laughs) Um, Pacino, Al Pacino, I think it was. And so, to me, everything south of 72nd Street was a real problem on the west side (laughs) you didn't go i didn't go this was a
2: very undesirable neighborhood in the 1960s
1: yeah okay so they built well actually when did they build Lincoln Center that Mm -hmm. was in the 60s yeah Yeah, West Side Story was you know the the story of West Side Story was kind of in that area before they built Lincoln Center Mm -hmm. and so they built Lincoln Center And slowly, this area started to change. But when we moved here, it was a real jump in my perception of this neighborhood, because I was thinking Needle Park. And we came down here, and it really was, you know, this neighborhood had already changed. It was now much fancier, much, you know, no longer Needle Park. (laughs) Um, so, I think when we moved in, it was really, a, I wouldn't say ritzy, but fairly ritzy neighborhood, I think. Don't you
2: think? It was moving in that direction. It was
1: moving in that direction. I mean, you know, the, what, where AMDA is had been an,
2: uh, a single... An SRO, single, single occupancy. Yeah, and yeah. there were a lot of people living there who had been discharged from state mental hospitals. And, and
1: so when we moved here, our son was ten years old, and we were a little bit concerned. We were, you know, was this going to be safe? Because he was going to be coming home from school by himself. How would that be? Um, we went up and down the block talking to doormen and um,
2: store owners about we the bakery. The blocks. At one time, was a, a neighborhood pharmacy.
0: The the new one. Or the in the Muffin Cafe. On the cafe.
2: Under Under Muffet. Muffet. Yeah. Or was it the jewelry store? I forget which one. Yeah, one of the, uh, yeah, one yeah, of one the
1: other. I with, forget which. It was a pharmacy. Yeah. And we went in and spoke to the guys there and he said, you know, you know, tell us about the SRO. <laughs> and he said, oh, they're really harmless. <laughs> you know, they just, if, if they get out, because they all went to him to get their drugs. <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> and he said, and if someone gets out of the hand, they come and they take them away. <laughs> Right. That was literally what he said.
2: But they were on the street. There were people living in there who spent their entire day walking up and down the street from Columbus to Broadway.
1: There was one woman who regularly was out there and she would talk to herself and she would, in a very loud voice, but actually in some ways they were preferable than the Andrew students. Yeah. <laughs>
0: The singers.
1: the singers, the singers at one o'clock in the morning. Yeah,
0: <laughs> some of them are actually not bad, though. Singing, no, no, but. no.
1: They may be talented, but that just doesn't mean they have to sing at one in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. But, but um.
2: But this was part of the amb- the ambiance of, of the West of Side, what you would consider to be the neighborhood. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's part of this building's environment.
1: Yeah. And and actually, they were the the people across the street.
2: The druggist the druggist said, these are the eyes and ears. If anything happens on the block, they will know it and they will say something.
1: Hmm. Yeah. So in a way, they kept the block pretty safe <laughs> in their own crazy way.
2: Because this is also, um, let's see. Yeah, on this side of the street, it's the only. This is the only large apartment building that doesn't have a doorman. Yeah, which was our sort of what, what, what about the red awning? Yeah, leave. yeah, right. Right.
1: right. But that had been an issue for us as to you know, do we move into a building without a doorman with a fairly young kid? Mm-hmm. But but then you know we decided it was it was fine. It would be okay.
0: What made you choose it? Apartment.
1: <laughs> when we came, so it was funny, when we came into this apartment, it, this was, the guy who owned this apartment, he died, it was an estate sale, so it was sort of undervalued, oftentimes when people sell an apartment that they've inherited, they just want to get it out, and <laughs> you know, they'll sell it for a little bit less than what it might be worth, but, um, the guy had been in the music industry in some fashion. We came into this apartment. It was covered with flock wallpaper, you know, like velveteen wallpaper. Oh, my God. And paisley material. The, the hallway had, like it was like a harem look. <laughs> I mean, it was It was bizarre. He had turned one of the rooms into a studio, so there was a whole... Wall that was a mirror. That were mirrors that must have been used for performances. You know,
2: at, there were two pianos in here.
1: Right. There was there were electric wires all of this. but we could see that it was uh, a great apartment and and it
2: was affordable. It was affordable products. for us yeah. at that time. Yeah, couldn't know, afford it. To. Oh yeah. Oh, so there were other things like the SRO had a Chinese restaurant.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: Really? You forgot about that. Forgot about yeah. That. Which was a real neighborhood, a very nice-looking place, and I don't know how they survived as long as they did, because they were far enough down the block that they never got real traffic from Columbus Avenue. Yeah,
1: but then there was also Cafe Mozart, remember Cafe Mozart, down that was at this end? Down at that right. end? That, that was a pretty popular
2: place. Right. Because, well, it was very close to Broadway. Yeah. So, no one building
1: in yeah. uh,
0: Was it just like word of mouth? Is it was it like the muffin cafe, I guess? Not, no, no,
1: <laughs> like
0: obviously different food
1: But I do like I like the muffin plus. Um no, it was like it was more like a real restaurant and oh. and mm. uh they had a lot of desserts. But I think they served real food too. Right. But, but um but it was a place that you go to for but it was a real neighborhood place. Yeah, mm-hmm. but people who were going to Lincoln Center would go there also. There, there were a few real like little coffee places, like kind of like you would see in the Village mm. um, around. Yeah, in Seventy First. Yeah,
2: but in, in any case, <laughs> this building. You know the movie um, French Connection.
0: No.
1: Might also have been that wasn't Pacino, that was Hackner, Gene Hackner.
2: Hackner.
1: But what that hadn't the building
2: there was, there was a a policeman involved in that story somebody who went after drug Drug dealers. dealers, His father owned this building before it became really. I didn't know that.
1: No, A.R. Gurney lived here, he was a very quite a well-established playwright. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and uh, and John Canemaker is chair of the animation department at NYU. There was an opera singer. I mean, there were lots. Yeah. Mary was uh, uh, a author. Yeah. There
2: were, it
1: was uh, They
2: were original cooperators. Were, yeah. it, was, it was a pretty artsy. So it gets thing. to the question in part, has the building changed? Has the neighborhood changed? As apartments became more and more expensive, it was harder and harder for people like those original cooperators to be able to afford to live here and in the neighborhood. So over time, the people who have, who live in the building have changed.
1: So you have more well, I mean, but still caring people. I, I mean, I wouldn't put it in a. Negative way as much as just different. So you have you know more lawyers, more financial people like mom. I mean you know people who are you know different types of, of professions.
0: Yeah. What school did your son go to? Like, Dalton. Dalton.
1: Yeah. Well, when we were living in Brooklyn, he was in public school in Brooklyn, and then when we moved here, he went to Dalton.
0: What year was that? They he started at Dalton?
1: 19, Do you know? 19, I think he started in
2: Dalton oh, oh,
1: or ninety four. I think it was ninety three. Okay.
0: Okay. What was Dalton like then? Because now it's very like I don't know, like I guess like the Ivy League quote unquote.
1: Well, Dalton has always had that reputation. Yeah. That's I mean that I mean the fact that he wound up in Dalton was as much a surprise to us if you had told me that's where he was gonna go to high school. But what happened was that we had Two very good friends whose kids were at Dalton. Um, one couple they have money, but they don't act like they have money, you know? And yeah. and their kids are very nice kids and and then the other couple didn't have money, and their kids were very nice kids. And I said, Well, wait a minute, all these kids are so nice, there must be something about the school that doesn't fit its reputation Mm -hmm. right and then we went to one of their to an open house you know and and um, the way they kind of sell Dalton they have to sell Dalton is um, through their faculty really and and you you went to they had classes, but they had sessions where you would meet different faculty members and they were a very impressive group of, of people. And we all came out of that, I mean Jeremy was with us, and we came out of that and we said oh this was the place, and we all agreed. And it was, I mean I, I would say his, his best friends are the kids from Dalton. Mm-hmm. I mean they have his class, Every year at Thanksgiving, they do a touch football game oh. that, that they used to do in Central Park. And the group has gotten so big with all the family members that they now do it in a, they an indoor space in Westchester and do it up there. And they have over 100 people who show up
2: every year. Oh. Yeah.
0: That's amazing.
2: So, one of the things that Jeremy would say if he were here is there were relatively few kids at Dalton from the west side. It probably It's probably still the case that most of the students were on the east side. His friends regularly used to come over to the west side and hang out here rather than. Well, sometimes we say regularly, sometimes. Regularly, yeah. yeah.
0: Why do you think that? It was
1: a different atmosphere. Than like a different different atmosphere. T- for us, we had, we had been living in Brooklyn for 17 years. So for us, certainly for me, coming back into, coming here was like moving back home <laughs> in a way. I mean, it was not...
2: Although, although, we, we looked at apartments that were further uptown, that were much closer to where Laura's parents would have my mother lived, mm-hmm. But we did not want to be that close. <laughs> <laughs> Need a little distance. But it was like it was,
1: you know, coming back home because mm-hmm. it was familiar. Yeah. Um, and the building, but, you know, I, I don't know.
2: I mean, I, the building has had and still has a European feel. The way the public smaller, spaces are laid out.
1: The tiles on the tiles floor. That sold me. I
2: love those tiles. The, the fire staircase <laughs> and so on. So, and, and it's a much smaller building than a lot of West Side buildings. Of west side
0: yeah. yeah. Um, What school did you guys go to like when you lived in the city? Because you said you grew up in Harlem, right? Yeah. And you grew up on like the Upper West Side, but like farther up?
1: So we both went to public schools. I went to PS 166 on 89th Street, and then I went to Hunter. Back when it was an all-girls school, real school. (laughs) (laughs) It was on 68th Street, and you went to science. I went
2: to elementary school on 138th Street, and I went to junior high school on 129th Street, and then I went to Bronx Science. Wow and um, there were seven kids from my junior high school class who went to Bronx Science, six of them were minorities. Hmm. I didn't know that. That's interesting.
0: What was Hunter like then, and what was Bronx Science like then? Hunter
1: was great. Well, first of all, so this was in the 60s, -hmm. okay, so um, it was Kind of before I'll call it the second women's movement, and that really didn't start to come together until late '60s. I think. Um, so it was a very empowering place for women, for girls to mm-hmm. be in at that time, because you know you ran everything. You you know there was no competition from boys, and. Um, you know, everyone was pretty smart. The teachers were smart. It was uh, it was a good place to be at that time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Then they moved it and let the boys in. <laughs> <laughs> well Lin and Wildland, I guess they were getting under some exceptions.
0: I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about wrong science?
2: Bronx Science was very intimidating, was a very big school, 900 students in each class. Oh my god. I mean,
1: t- for us, we had, we had been living in Brooklyn for 17 years. So for us, certainly for me, coming back into, coming here was like moving back home in a way. I mean, it was
2: not. Although, although. We we looked at apartments that were further uptown, that were much closer to where Laura's parents lived and where my mother lived. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. we did not want to be that close. <laughs> <to them>. <laughs> <laughs> Need a little
1: distance. But it was like it was you know coming back home because mm-hmm. it was familiar. Yeah.
2: And um, the building. But,
1: you know I I don't know I mean I.
2: The building has, had and still has, a European feel. The way the public spaces are laid out.
1: The tiles on
2: the floor the lobby. That sold me, I love those tiles. The fire staircase (laughs) and so on. And and it's a much smaller building. And a lot of west side buildings, Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Um, what school did you guys go to like when you lived in the city? Because you said you grew up in Harlem, right? Yeah. And you grew up on like the Upper West Side, but like farther up?
1: So we both went to public schools. I went to PS166 on 89th Street, and then I went to Hunter. Wow. And when it was an all-girls school, real school. <laughs> well, it was on 68th Street. And you went to science. I went to
2: elementary school on 138th Street, and I went to junior high school on 129th Street, and then I went to Bronx Science. Wow. And um, there were seven kids from my junior high school class who went to Bronx Science, six of them were minorities. Hmm. I didn't know that. That's and interesting.
0: What was Hunter like then, and what was Bronx Science like then? Oh.
1: Hunter was great. Well, first of all, so this was in the 60s, mm-hmm. okay, so, um, it was, kind of before, I'll call it the second women's movement, and that really didn't start to come together until late 60s, I think. Um, so, it was a very empowering place for women, for girls, to mm-hmm. be in at that time, because, you know, you ran everything, you, you know, there was no competition from boys, and, um, you know, everyone was pretty smart, the teachers were smart, it was, uh, it was a good place to be at that time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Then they moved it and
0: left the boys in. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lin-Man and I guess they were getting under some exceptions. <laughs> yeah. What about Bronx Science?
2: Bronx Science was very intimidating. Very big school. 900 students in each class.
1: Oh my
0: god. That's like college. Yeah, yeah we only
1: had 100 Fifty, roughly one hundred fifty in our class. Mm-hmm. Um, and 100 went from seventh to twelfth grade. Mm-hmm.
2: That was also very, still very short then. So.
1: <laughs> and then back then, you could take the test for seventh, seventh, ninth, and tenth grade. Mm-hmm. And so, and the kids came from all over the city. Wow,
0: uh, that's so cool. Do you have to wear a uniform?
1: No, except that that we had to wear for gym, we had to wear these horrible bloomers. <laughs> navy blue, not even navy blue, like in your bloomers from gym. <laughs> and the school was you know, between Lexington and Park Avenue. You'd, you'd be walking down to Park Avenue in these gym bloomers. <laughs> it was awful.
2: <laughs> I knew a lot of people would. Little Red and EI because of summer camps that I went to. There were a lot of students from those schools.
0: What do you think? Oh, he, you? his
1: his parents were communists. Oh, real communists.
2: Right? Real communists. <laughs> so
1: yeah. he went to these camps that were communist-based camps.
2: <laughs> you know, the highlight of the summer would be that uh, Pete Seeger would come.
1: Things got bad in the city a little bit later, more like in the 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, drugs, how we dealt with drugs, yeah. was uh, a problem. Um, cars were regularly broken into... When we,
2: after we moved here, there had been a, an ATM place across the street. Between 69th and 70th on Columbus, and he was a guy who was attacked there one night, and he was stabbed to death. And he was the son of an executive oh, yes. yeah, at yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, one yeah. of the networks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, I remember that. But there were other problems. I mean, you—if you parked your car on the street, you would take your radio out. Oh the my God. radios were removed you could remove them and you put sign people would put signs, no radio because people were otherwise cars were regularly broken into to steal radios. You didn't wear jewelry on the street because people would snatch your chains. If you mm-hmm. when 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 I rode in the subway, if I was wearing a ring I'd turn it around so you couldn't see the stone or whatever. Uh, so thing, I, I, it's, it's interesting how people don't remember those times. Yeah. It's, it's sort of interesting, mm-hmm. um, because it's not that
2: yeah. but it's also, it's very hard to know how different or the same things like crime were because of the way it's reported. I mean, you have some TV stations that only report mm-hmm murders and stabbings and rapes and crimes like that. The Daily News, sure. And newspapers as well, some, mm-hmm. some newspapers only report that kind of information. So, if that's all you see, yeah. then you start to develop the idea that maybe this is what the city is really like, mm-hmm. but you don't really know unless, for example, you experience A crime like that yourself. When when we lived in Brooklyn, we lived near, not too far from a public housing project, and there were a number of times that we were accosted on the street. Sometimes, at least once, somebody had a gun. Yeah.
1: Oh my God. But but it also depends. I mean, I don't. This neighborhood never I mean you'd have car breakings but you wouldn't have the same kind of crime that you would have north of ninety sixth street. Right. I mean, yeah. That was and, and that's that's a problem. I mean, that that's that's a big issue. But you know even now look <laughs> you know everyone talks about about um the segregation the problem is what's happening and it's true is that Uh, middle-class, upper-middle-class people are moving, taking over Harlem. Mm -hmm. I mean, not necessarily just white people, but I, I do remember I had a case in court where it was a black couple getting divorced and they owned two properties somewhere in Harlem. And I asked her, what was it like in Harlem? I asked the wife, I said, well, what was it like in Harlem at that point? And I guess this would, I mean, certainly it was in maybe the early 2000s. And she said, the only people who are buying property up here now are white people. It was, you know, it was interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We went to a, probably um, we went to see art galleries, artists in Harlem and um, a lot of young white people. The biggest benefit is that the freedom that you kids have, and which was true then, it's true I think for you, the idea that you can go, and I'm sure you were going places on your own from an early age. I mean, you were going to school, even just to go to school, mm-hmm. you know? And that you, you know, could get on a bus or a subway to go to different neighborhoods to seek friends, that you weren't dependent on your, a parent driving you yeah. to places, um, I think that was, and that, you know, I always felt safe. I mean, I I like the fact that... I didn't have teenage kids driving around as as opposed to just taking the subway. That there were all of the cultural advantages of the city, Mm -hmm. even if you didn't always use them, that you knew that they were there, (laughs) right? Right? Mm -hmm. You know, that you could go to a museum or that... You could go to movies, and not just the one movie theater, but that you had a choice of whatever movies, and that it wasn't just you know the blockbuster movies, but there were the art movies, you know the more the foreign films, the Broadway. I mean, Jeremy, when I started taking Jeremy to Broadway shows when he was four or five, I forget something like that, and what was great. Was we gradually went from Broadway to Off Broadway to Off Off Broadway, and then he started taking me to see something, you know. And, and I mean, I, I mean that's one of the great things about about New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or going to baseball games, you know, even if they lose all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Going to see, I mean, we used to go to World Wide Wrestling, whatever it is, World Wrestling Federation. Thing, WWF. You know, or concerts at Madison Square Garden, concerts at The Beacon. Yeah.
2: You know, so, here's a, here's a question that I would ask and then answer. Okay. How big is, is my neighborhood here? Um, like. So I'll, I'll answer it for myself. Okay. I think of the neighborhood as being no farther uptown than Museum of Natural History, and no farther south than 60th Street, but I don't include West End or the new streets over where the- What was Trump. What was yeah. Trump housing, but <laughs> <that> it <laughs> ends on Amsterdam.
1: Did you not
2: include Riverside throughout the, the park? I, have, I, I personally have to go to 72nd Street to get to Riverside. I don't think of below 72nd Street and Riverside as part of the neighborhood. No, that's In part because there's a long descending path. It's more of an effort to get there. A long descending <laughs> path to get kind down to
1: the water. Well. I think what we're lucky about is we've got the two parks. Yes. Yeah. And we've got two subway lines. Yes. And when we moved back from Brooklyn here and I realized it only took me ten minutes to get from a Broadway theatre home. Amazing. And I said I have died and gone to heaven. <laughs> 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 yeah. That was oh my God, compared to coming from Brooklyn it was
2: yeah, Brooklyn, we lived in, in the mm-hmm. geographic center of Brooklyn, so even by car it took a half hour to get any place. Outside of, to get out of Brooklyn,
0: yeah. Wow. Well, what neighborhood
1: of Brooklyn? Flatbush. Oh. Well, uh, well, yeah. Northern Flatbush. It's called Dittmas Park, the whole. Just Dittimus south Brooklyn. of Prospect Park. Mm-hmm. But before that we lived in Boreham Hill, which is really near, right, what is now the uh, What's the, the Barkley. Barkley Center? Okay. Right near there. Yeah. But it wasn't there when we. Wasn't were there.
0: <laughs> Where did they play? The Nets? Or were they not a thing?
1: They were on Long Island. Or New Jersey or Long Island? Yeah, the Nets. I forget. Yeah. I think they were in New Jersey. Maybe. And the uh, hockey team was in Long Island. Are they coming to Barkley now? No.
2: The apartment building that's diagonally across from us? Yeah. Lady Gaga was grew up there. Her parents still lived there. Mm-hmm. During the nineteen fifties and sixties, when I mean, this was a different neighborhood, that building was basically recording studios.
1: Wow. And ABC was on this block. Oh. ABC Studios was on the corner building mm-hmm. that was ABC Studios.
0: Oh my god, was it, it wasn't that tall though? No, no it
1: was it was a I mean it was entirely different building, but that was where they were. Wow. Street and Broadway, oh, wow. where DSW is. Yeah, they they there were definitely prostitutes who were out there
0: in the nineties. I think. Well, do you have, do you both have any other thoughts or things you wanna? No, but out? if you need anything more, you know
1: where to find us.
0: <laughs> okay. Thank you for listening to the West Seventies podcast. Go follow the West Seventies underscore Pod on Instagram. Bye. oh, 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 oh